0: What's Your Position podcast may contain adult themes, sexual discussions, and strong language. We want everyone to be educated, but we are intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Live from WYP Studios in Honey Beach, California, this is What's Your Position. On today's show, we talk about celibacy and self-esteem and dating with guest Alex Nashton. These men have a supreme vow of celibacy, like their fathers and their fathers before them. And now, your host, Ashley Weller.
1: Welcome fellow humans to another episode of What's Your Position? A full frontal episode where we discuss things such as celibacy and self-esteem and anxiety and do so in the comfort of our lovely studios here in Huntington Beach. But with the assistance of a new platform that we're trying out, uh, we're testing the waters.
0: It's not really a platform the way you're thinking. People can't go on this and see it. Well, it's just for us.
1: I say platform. But we should give it a shout out as an unofficial sponsor ZenCaster. 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 That's
0: how we're doing our video podcasting.
1: Thank you to Justin Lee Miller, who introduced yeah. us to he's ZenCaster. The, he's the pro. That's he, why we. He's the pro. Yeah. Um I was on two episodes of his podcast sex and psychology one about faking orgasms and one about the science of attraction which you can find both of them on spotify or apple you can also go on sexandpsychology.com but he used this uh podcast platform i don't know another word Uh, you're you're not wrong you're not wrong uh zencaster and it and it's great it's it's got video it's got audio and it makes it easier for us to reach people who aren't necessarily in our vicinity right yeah so alex nashton who is our guest today lived in LA uh, but we've missed each other a couple of times due to COVID and due to life and she's currently in upstate New York um, and the only way that we could get her on the podcast was through video and Zoom is unreliable Skype is trash um, and Zencaster just happened to be something that fell in our lap and it and it it's worked so far but you know we're we're trying new things and we're we're expanding here in in season three and we hope that you like it Uh, in addition to that We are also going to be starting a YouTube channel where we will be giving you the footage of our entire podcast uh, while we're doing it. So we hope that you enjoy that. Um, We hope that it brings more viewers, more listeners and uh, gets us, um, you know, into more minds of human beings everywhere. So. Celibacy, their fathers before them and before them. This makes no sense because you can't have a father if you're not having sex. Like that, Monty Python.
0: In there, this movie would not be in made unless Monty Python Spinal was there. Ra- nope. Even a little further, Hot Shots,
1: pot Dude, second one. I gotta
0: say, if you're a friend of like fan of like Airplane and just like that silly, silly humor, yeah, satire. It's like they'll do a full scene where they're talking about serious things, Like, We're gonna take down this country, and we're gonna, but in the background, it's some of the most ridiculous things. God, if you haven't seen
1: Airplane. Please yeah. go. Stop this podcast immediately. Stop. Or,
0: uh, in the, uh, other one, the gun, gun, naked one. gun, naked gun. What? I was going to say funny gun. It's like, no, now, that's not it. Naked airplane
1: gun. is better than naked gun. I would, I would say, I would actually yeah, go first ahead. One. And, uh, I would one. actually go ahead and say that, that airplane, Ashley, is this is
0: not the so so scrutiny podcast. Sorry.
1: Sorry you're right. <laughs> so today we had on Alex Nashton and we discussed celibacy. I wanted to give a little bit of an intro before, uh, before we bring her on of the many sexual and relationship choices that are available to us today. So if you think about all of the different ways that are made available for us to have sex virtually, uh, physically in person, mutual masturbation, solo masturbation, anal sex, vaginal sex, oral sex, um, sex with a doll, um, sex with multiple people, orgies, BDSM, flashlight, flashlight, Shout out. Unofficial sponsor. sponsor. Jinx. Jinx, What did it? God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Celibacy is actually not one that gets talked about a lot. And that is a sexual option. If you think about it, it's an option to not engage in sexual activity with other people. Some people are celibate because they have not met someone who they want to have sex with or who want to have sex with them. Now we did an episode on incels, uh, individuals who are involuntarily celibate. This was at the beginning of season two. Um, It's an episode that we discuss why incels exist and the danger that they pose to society when you use sex as something that you feel is owed to you. Celibacy or voluntary celibacy is when you actually realize that sex isn't owed to you and it's actually not a currency at all. And if you're engaging in sexual activity and using it as a way to barter with another individual for time or for attention, you're actually doing yourself and them a disservice. Now I'm super sex positive. I love sex. I love talking about sex. I feel like I should have a pod. I, I feel like we should start a podcast what? about sex positivity. You think I'm a
0: sex teacher or something.
1: I feel like I should teach something about sex. Sex positivity is a huge umbrella term. Uh, that that generally means you're accepting of different types of sexualities, different types of sex that is has had. Um, and choosing not to have sex Falls under that umbrella just like choosing to have sex with multiple partners or choosing to have sex with only one person for your entire life. I embrace all of these types of sexuality.
0: What about involuntary celibacy?
1: (sighs) The problem there is that the choice is you feel someone else's choices are, belong to you, right? Mm.
0: I'll get into it in the uh, second half, but I consider myself involuntary celibate.
1: Are you actively searching for someone to have sex with? We'll get into it in the second half. We'll,
0: We'll tease it, I'll be your second guest.
1: Okay. Because I have some
0: experience in this.
1: The only time that any of these choices become problematic is when they are not choices, but something that is being forced onto another person. According to recent research, millennials are having less sex than any generation prior.
0: Is that P in the V?
1: Or right. Just... It's not. It's not defined. Unfortunately, in these right. in these in these research kind of caveats, they aren't saying: Are you having penis vaginal sex? Are you having anal sex? Are you having oral sex? Are you having masturbatory sex? they're just saying the word sex and sex can be defined in many, many ways um, by many people. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe that being abstinent can mean just penile vaginal and inter- in, uh, penile vaginal intercourse, which basically means that if you're homosexual and you're just having anal or oral sex, you can be abstinent because you're not sticking your P in a V. Um, and also if you're lesbian, and you're not sticking a P and a V, you're still abstinent. Same thing kind of works with virginity. The concept itself is very heteronormative and lives in a very heteronormative society, and it assumes that sex means penis and vagina together. More and more individuals are choosing to be celibate from sex with reasons ranging from personal growth to religious beliefs to dating website burnout, to living with mom and dad. A lot of individuals are abstaining from sex simply because they're too busy to engage in a relationship. Ding, 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 ding. They're too busy with their work life. They're too busy with their home life. They're too busy with school. And relationships take a lot of work. There are some individuals who can engage in casual sex where they go to a bar or they hook up on Hinge or Tinder and they don't necessarily need that romantic connection. But there are individuals who feel the only time they can have sexual relationships with other people is when they are in a committed or romantic relationship. And that is a very normal way to feel again under this category of sex positivity. What we're going to talk about today with Alex Nashton is her journey from being someone who was casually hooking up with people on dating apps and in bars and the way that that changed her mentally and how that actually changed her ideas of herself and her self worth, what that did to her personality. And when she chose to take a step back from hooking up and from hookup culture, The addiction and the withdrawal that she felt from the attention, from the constant texting, from the ideas of do they like me? How do I go forward with this? To a really deep journey into self actualization, self esteem work, and really a a focus on who she was as a person. Not only Was she able to identify who she was sexually, but who she was as a business person, who she was as a friend and who she was as a daughter as a result of her celibacy? In addition, we're going to talk about self-esteem and anxiety when it comes to dating. I personally believe that online dating is the cause of numerous mental health issues when it comes to self-image, the belief and the worth that you feel you are only as good as your first picture or your first quote on a dating app. We're going to talk about ways to talk yourself into feeling more worthy of attention and of sexual uh, attention we're also going to talk about how to overcome anxiety within yourself and within the dating world alex is brilliant and i highly recommend you follow her on instagram uh, alex underscore nashton uh stick around we're going to get into some very very interesting conversations welcome back fellow humans to what's your position podcast joining us finally, after six months of waiting and hoping and trying and COVID and life, is Alex and she is here to talk to us about numerous things. We've narrowed it down to two, although we could probably talk about like everything under the sun. Um, It's people like you that make me want to continue living the life I live and doing what I do because I could sit here and talk to you all day long about how dumb research is but how necessary Mm -hmm. how great human sexuality is or how awesome mindfulness is but today we're going to discuss celibacy and how our relationships and how dating are framed around our self-worth so i'm going to give the audience a little bit of information about you and brag about you a little bit um is a a human being who loves brains, you love neuroscience, you love talking about the brain, learning about the brain, understanding how the human brain works, um, how we can use our brains to change who we are and how we think about the world around us. She's a mental health coach, coach, a meditation teacher, um, a teacher trainer who specializes in using neuroscience and mindfulness to help students rewire themselves to live lives with less anxiety. Um, has spent the past six years extensively studying the brain, the nervous system, and recently, bravo, graduated from UCLA, <laughs> where she completed independent research on the intersection between mindfulness and anxiety disorders. I personally would like to hire you as my anxiety coach, because my anxiety is... <laughs> the roof. I have more anxiety than a chihuahua, so uh, we are honored to have you today. And I know so many of the listeners of What's Your Position um, have said to me that one of their favorite episodes is one I did with a friend of mine about anxiety. So I know that this is is going to be a treat for them to have uh, somebody who, who studies this for a living, somebody who, who discusses mindfulness and anxiety and how to train yourself. Um, to really overcome those boundaries and and overcome these fears that we have uh, about everyday life, um, whether it be dating or just breathing. Um, So thank you so much, Alex. I'm so
2: happy that you're here. (laughs) Thank you, Ashley. I, you know, hearing you go through all that, I was like, wow, I sound really impressive. And I'm also I can impressive. help you with the chihuahua, like levels of anxiety too.
1: Good. Thank God. <laughs> Just get me to a golden retriever status. That's all. That's where I need to be.
2: We can make that happen with the chihuahua <laughs> level of anxiety. Is it that like anxiety, little dog pee a little bit kind yeah, of anxiety? Yeah.
1: Constantly shakes, needs to like, wants to bark at everybody, but like also wants to be loved by everybody that kind of anxiety yeah i just want to be loved by everyone and then when someone (laughs) loves me i pee a little bit it's fantastic well
2: i think you're more of the expert in like kegels and that kind of thing which can can help with that element of it but i can help you with the mental emotional part of it
1: (laughs) so it was a it was so interesting to me when you reached out uh on instagram thank goodness for instagram honest to God. Um, Speaking of which, follow us at What's Your Position podcast on Instagram, (laughs) uh, because this is how individuals uh, connect. This is how we network. This is how we socialize now post COVID during still COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about why you reached out to me? How did you find me?
2: So um, as you mentioned, I just graduated from UCLA and uh, about a year ago, go Bruins, (laughs) about a year ago, I needed to take just like an extra, what's the word, elective course. And I saw human sexuality and that looked very interesting. And you were one of the guest lecturers that came in. And I just remember thinking that you were absolutely hilarious and that I've... Never seen anybody speak about STIs and STDs with so much passion and humor.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And I, sure,
1: I love those STIs. <laughs> I love them.
2: <laughs> I can tell. And I was like, this is a woman after my own heart. And so I immediately started following you on Instagram, started listening to a few episodes of the podcast. And then earlier this year, I went through a, a pretty painful breakup. And you had an episode on breakups and recovering from breakups and rebounds and it was incredibly helpful for me
1: way. it's a fantastic episode if anyone's listening the breakup episode really it is really one of my favorites and i i did it because one of my friends had gone through a breakup and i was like i'm gonna do an episode just for you um and and it i'm glad it it reached somebody else who needed it that's amazing
2: it really helped me so yeah if you're out there listening and you haven't checked out that episode yet I can't recommend it enough I've sent it to like all of my friends because it seems like everybody's breaking up during COVID everyone's either having a baby or breaking up
1: it's crazy and it just keeps happening it just keeps happening and and it's it's like an endless cycle of babies and breakups and I'm like what Mm -hmm. I, I need one of these things to stop yeah i know i know so we're gonna talk about celibacy which was interesting when i when you said you wanted to be on the podcast and i was like sure you you told me you know i saw you in in dave's class give a, a lecture and i'd love to come on and i started following you back and i was like this chick has way more experience in like mindfulness and anxiety and, and, and psychology. And why does she, mm-hmm. what on earth could she talk about on my podcast? Like, this is crazy. This chick doesn't need to be on my podcast. She needs to be on the today show. Like I'm, <laughs> what is happening? Who is this lady? Um, and then you said, I want to talk about celibacy. And it struck me because I have done a, an episode on incels, so individuals mm-hmm. who are involuntarily celibate people who want to be having sex and due to their circumstances their personality their behaviors their um, lifestyle choices they can't find someone to engage mm-hmm. in sexual activity with you are an individual who actually chose celibacy as a, a path uh, to go on um, can you explain a little bit about what led you? Was it voluntary? Did you make mm-hmm. the conscious choice to say no more sex?
2: Totally. And I'll I'll preface this by saying that there have definitely been periods of my life where I have been involuntarily.
1: <laughs> I think all but of the us one have.
2: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but the one we're going to talk about today is the stretch that was voluntary and. I think we you know, we all have our numbing mechanisms. We all mm-hmm. have our vices to one extent or the other. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's smoking. For some people, it's mindlessly scrolling through technology. For me, the thing that I would use to avoid any sort of discomfort or pain that I was feeling beneath the surface was men and not even necessarily sex as much as just the whirlwind and excitement and obsession of meeting someone new and the potential of like, what's going to happen here? Are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? And it was for me, all consuming at times and definitely something that I used to avoid other more painful aspects of my life. And, um, it made it incredibly difficult to have healthy, romantic relationships because my relationships were all based on needing something from the person that attention, I was with. Attention or yeah. physical
1: affection or totally responses to text messages or flirting mm-hmm. or whatnot. So you really yep. never got below the surface.
2: Totally, totally, and you know the the men that I was dating at that point in my life, God, God bless them. I like wish them well, but I I didn't even know if I actually liked them or wanted to date them because I was so consumed with trying to ensure the safety and security or the illusion of those things that I thought I would get from their attention or their approval of me. Um, and so it got to this point, I kind of had like a little bit of a rock bottom moment where I was sitting at home one night and I I don't remember what I was going through, like dissatisfaction with the job that I was working at that point in time. I probably had just gotten out of like one fling and was heading into another. But (laughs) I remember staring at my phone and looking between these like three different names of men. And I was like, I could call or text any one of these men to come over and then i would feel better and then i i had this moment of like really is that is that what it's come to like do you really need somebody else in order to soothe yourself right now somebody that you aren't even interested in that you don't even like and so i kind of had this this moment where i just got so sick of myself that i decided that something needed to change and um I'm a big fan of therapy.
1: Uh, <laughs> hey. I'm <a> big <laughs> unofficial sponsor for the 900th oh. time.
2: Yeah. Huge
1: I fan love, of therapy. Love therapy. It's like Me too. it's it's one of the best ways to I mean, we use our friends. We use our family. We get opinions from people who we trust. Uh we some people Some people put it out on social media for all of the world to help them. You know, Mm -hmm. they'll they'll list their uh, their issues and then let people on Facebook decide what their fate should be or how they should respond. Um, I could never do that. I Mm -hmm. again, Chihuahua, I would pee everywhere. Um, (laughs) I feel like therapy is a way to be in this safe cocoon of non-judgment, first of all. Um, Your friends might judge you, right, a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like, that's why we have them is because they kind of tell us like, "Uh, what you're doing is a little Mm -hmm. shady, like you should probably stop doing that. Or our family Mm -hmm. can judge us um, and say, hey, you're kind of being a dick. Uh, But when you go to therapy, Mm -hmm. it's non-judgmental and it's very much a, a journey that you take where you're discussing things. And a good therapist will never tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Ever well, this one did. Huh?
2: <laughs> this one did. Um. So I like to say that he's kind of like the Robin Williams to my Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> uh, like just the best. He's this crotchety old New Yorker that still lives very close to my hometown in in like the middle of nowhere upstate New York, and he's tried to retire multiple times but has to keep coming out of retirement because all the middle-aged women of central New York <laughs> need him so <laughs> desperately. <laughs> his, name is, his name is Dr. Bepko. I'm obsessed with him. We love, you, so Dr. I, I, we, we love you, Dr. Bepko. Um, yeah. So yeah, I Dr. decided during this dark night of the soul that I, I wasn't actually going to reach out to any of these men in my phone. Instead, I was going to tell Dr. Bepko about it the next day.
1: <laughs> this there <we> book, go. <laughs> Dark Night of the Soul, is was legit right behind me on my bookshelf. Like I'm not even kidding. It was, it, I, wow,
2: what a pull. Do, right have there. you read this? <laughs> no, but I've heard a lot about it.
1: I'm gonna mail you a copy. Oh,
2: please do, please do. There's nothing that I love reading more than self-help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did Dr. Bepco tell you to do?
2: He was like, he looked at me very seriously and he said, why don't you do that whole AA thing and take a year off of dating? And I said, hell no, not a chance. Like, it's just not going to happen. Because at that point in my life, you know, celibacy was something that was reserved for extremist religious groups and I was,
1: that's where my head went when you said celibacy i was like i'm a i'm about to i'm about to bring a, a christian right person <laughs> i literally went through your instagram just to make sure that there was no like like underlying extreme posts where i was gonna have to be like i don't have the bandwidth today to like <laughs> to defend so i'm so glad you said that because yeah that's where your head goes when you think celibacy you think monks yeah, yeah you nuns
2: exactly or the other experience that i had had with it is knowing people who are in recovery in their first year of sobriety who were not dating or people who were in you know sex and love addiction recovery like that whole 12-step program ascribing to celibacy. And and while I wouldn't consider myself a sex or love addict, I was definitely addicted to my thoughts Mm -hmm. and to the obsession of just throwing myself into the distraction of of what could
1: happen. To that new relationship energy, right? Yeah. And that energy where you banter back and forth the energy where they say new things or they say things that no one's ever said or they compliment something that no one's ever complimented or they Mm -hmm. boost you up when you need them to boost you up and that feeling Mm -hmm. actually is akin to an addiction it actually releases Mm -hmm. dopamine and serotonin and you seek it out It's it isn't far off from the high people get from cocaine honestly Mm -hmm yeah
2: yeah and um that is ultimately what made me decide like okay maybe this is something that i can do so i i bargained with dr bethko i was like how how about six months (laughs) how about just (laughs) six months to start and he's like okay great you know he when i say he he told me what to do he's a very He's got that dry New York sense of humor, mm-hmm. <laughs> like no bullshit takes mm-hmm. no bullshit. Yeah. Um, so I decided on six months to start. And for me, what that what celibacy meant, I was, was just going to
1: say there, I was just going to say it means something different to everyone. So celibacy can mean abstinence from penetrative intercourse, um, but you still engage in oral sex or you still engage Mm -hmm. in uh, mutual masturbation. It can mean celibacy from sex with another individual altogether, but it can still include masturbation with yourself. So personal pleasure Mm -hmm. is still something that you engage in. Celibacy can mean no dating. Um, It can mean no sex outside of dating. But if you come into a relationship, you can engage in specific things. So celibacy is there is no one. I mean, if you look it up in Merriam Webster, it's religion based. Celibacy Mm -hmm. is a it's a religion based definition in Merriam Webster. It means to abstain until marriage, which. I know is not necessarily why so many people in this generation are choosing celibacy. I know it's not because of religion. So Mm
2: -hmm. give
1: me your definition of celibacy, and then I'm gonna give a statistic. Okay. Um,
2: So for me, what that meant was no sexual or physical contact with someone that I was romantically interested in at all. No dating no flirting. And for me, the biggest piece was actually a very mindful piece, which was not allowing myself mentally to go down all of those many, many rabbit holes of becoming consumed with or excited by somebody else. So I remember, you know, before I did this Stint of celibacy like every single place that I would go any new environment I'd be like, okay, who's my crush? who's gonna make this more fun for me? Who's, who's my target <laughs> Exactly exactly so for me it was it was really this giant science experiment of what does my mind look like when it's not consumed with the idea or fantasy of somebody else like when all of my attention is fully focused on myself, who am I? Because I didn't even, I didn't even know who I was or what my life really orbited around beyond this, this like vampire, like <laughs> <theater laughs> attention, affection from somebody else.
1: I feel like um, I feel like what you're saying is, is going to resonate with a lot of individuals who are, are very much you know, trying to find the next Mr. or Mrs. Right or right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And also that feeling that high that you get from the attention and from the affection and also the absolute numbing qualities that it gives you that you don't have to think about yourself. You don't have Mm -hmm. to think about what you did today or who you are as a person because you're focused on your next pickup line you're focused on your next quip you're focused on your next sex you're focused on your next um sexy photo that you're gonna send and you don't really have to do the dirty work of figuring out who you are and Mm -hmm. i feel like covid may have played a role in my statistic that we're going to get to right now. It's the set of the day. Ooh. It's the set of the day. Ooh. It's the set of the day. Of the day. So in two thousand and eight, um, thirty percent, excuse me, in two thousand and eight. There was a study that was done and then in 2017 the exact same study was replicated and what they asked was who is voluntarily abstaining from romantic relationships and sex now there are some like fallacies in this because they didn't necessarily define what sex is so they didn't say you know did you abstain from oral sex did you abstain from mutual masturbation did you abstain from personal masturbation by yourself basically they just said how much sex are you having and why um and they found that since 2008 there has been a 30 percent increase in young men who are abstaining from sex by choice what is the percentage of young women who are abstaining for from sex by choice? So, from 2008 to 2017, the same study was done. There was a 30 percent increase in young men. What was the increase in young women? I'm gonna go even higher. Okay,
2: 45. I think 45. like
1: 45. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to get my number from my producer who's sitting next to me and he's going to tell me what he thinks his number is. 69 He always says 69 it's fine it's <laughs> fine. He doesn't really think it's 69. But he's going to go well, with 69. I think it's kind of higher you think now. it's higher? Yeah. 69 you're going with 69. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to write your numbers down. 45 and 69. All right. So just as kind of a an understanding of why individuals choose to be celibate, um, aside from needing a break from the, the constant struggles with dating or the constant, like over of attention in dating, there are numerous reasons that people, uh, choose to be celibate religion is one of them, where maybe their religion doesn't line up with their sexual values. Um, Living at home is a big one for a lot of people. People who live at home tend to have less sex with um, random partners than they would if they were in a more committed relationship. The rate at which people get married now is much higher, It actually is 28 for women and 30 for men, which is the highest that it's ever, ever been since we've started recording um, how old people are when they get married or when they get into a long term, more committed partnership. So that could be another reason is that individuals just aren't having sex until they get married or they just aren't having sex until they're in a committed relationship. Um, Online dating. Actually, we are seeing a lot of online dating fatigue, so to speak, uh, where people are just sort of over it. They're over the whole online dating charade and they're anti online dating, which means that they're not getting as many partners in front of them. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of individuals who aren't engaging in sexual activity because of COVID truly like the, it's just not a good time (laughs) to exchange bodily fluids with another person. Um, and during lockdown, you may have been quarantined by yourself, quarantined with your family, um, quarantined with a partner who you then split up with. Um, So there's a lot of millennials and Generation Z that are choosing celibacy, uh, choosing to undownload these dating apps, choosing to remove themselves from the dating pool, uh, either because of financial reasons, um, social reasons or uh, health reasons, COVID being one of them. I think that your reasoning, the whole, uh, you know, trying to find who who you are and really get back to yourself, um, before we take a quick break, do you feel like COVID played a part in that?
2: So when I did this, it was actually long before COVID. <laughs> so I was in a relationship for, for most of the pandemic, so all this actually happened before. What? Yeah.
1: When were you celibate?
2: It was about four years ago. Wow. So 20, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, 2018.
1: Okay. So no then. So the answer would be no.
2: The answer is no. I was not celibate <laughs> <laughs> during the pandemic.
1: <laughs> and, it, and I... Okay. So then I guess, do you feel like your celibacy helped you get through the pandemic even more so?
2: I mean, it, it didn't really, I didn't have to <laughs> because I was in a relationship. For the no, whole,
1: I mean, like, do you but... feel like you, you were able to sort of, you understood yourself better? You were able to deal with stress better. You were able to cope with um, adversity better because you had already gone through that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the time that I spent being celibate helped me learn how to be okay on my own. And even though I was in a relationship, the, the pandemic was so isolating. So being able to be okay being alone and learning how to be good company for myself and how to really nurture and nourish and take care of myself independent of anyone or anything else is definitely a skill that I got from the time that I spent being celibate before the pandemic for sure wow. I have so many friends that really really struggled during the pandemic because their source of comfort was other people like they didn't they just had no idea what to do with themselves when they were alone
1: mm-hmm Yeah, I I think that that's big. I think that's huge for a lot of individuals. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss the difficulties that you endured um, when you started your journey. I'm sure that there were some uh, coping (laughs) mechanisms that you had to utilize. Um, How you trained your brain to sort of um, identify uh, when you were falling back into those thought patterns and how you trained yourself to get out of them. and tips and tricks you have for people who might want to utilize this in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about all that. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back guys. Join us in a second. Welcome back fellow humans. We're here with Alex talking about celibacy. Celibacy gets a bad rap. Um, I feel like a lot of individuals correlate celibacy with abstinence. And while they're in the same vein, pun intended, (laughs) abstinence typically is more reserved for religious kind of uh, ideologies where abstinence until marriage, celibacy still has a little bit of a religious connotation. Did you come up with any other words besides celibacy that you, or did you, have you ever come across any other words in your studies or your research besides celibacy that you found, um, fit what you were doing? Not necessarily. I would tell people I'm not
2: dating right now as a way to try to to dampen the implications (laughs) what celibacy (laughs) entails. Right. And uh people were so curious about it. And so they'd be like, Oh, so you mean you mean you're celibate. That's what's happening here and so And they would just know. Yeah, yeah, and they would just know.
1: How long were you celibate for?
2: It ended up being nine months in total.
1: Okay. So I did
2: the six months like Dr. Bepko and I agreed upon.
1: Wow. <laughs>
2: and I felt like I needed more after that. And I also, by the end of those first six months, I felt so good that I wanted to keep going. And so we can talk about what okay. in between that whole... <laughs> that whole time entails.
1: okay um so often abstinence and chastity and celibacy are used interchangeably but um it's really important to make sure if you do choose to go down a path where you're not dating you're not engaging sexually uh, whether that means sexually mentally sexually physically both um you define it for yourself it's it's a personal decision um, and the boundaries that you set are very personal as well. Um, I I love that Dr. Bepco used AA because I feel like he gave you this kind of skeleton of an idea of how to say, look, I'm going to, abstain or uh, withhold from this basic behavior, this behavior in and of itself, whether that be flirting, uh, texting, sexting, online dating, seeking attention, going to bars, hooking up with people, having sex with people, whatever stage you get to, or the stage that you feel needs to be cut back on. And some people need to completely withdraw themselves from everything. And some people only need to withdraw themselves from certain pieces. Um, I'm going to tell a couple different stories of individuals who went through celibacy. Actually, Orlando Bloom um, chose to do celibacy before he uh, started dating Katy Perry in 2020. One of his friends recommended that he go through six months, oddly enough, of celibacy and not dating and not engaging with anyone who would stimulate his brain in a sexual and romantic way and he actually did it for eight months uh, because he said the same thing as you that after six months he was like i actually really like this and i kind of have discovered a new kind of version of myself that i'm very comfortable with and he extended it a little bit longer um one quick tip before i tell you these stories is that you just because you're not having sex with other people doesn't mean you don't have to have sex with yourself. Masturbation is a phenomenal tool. It is also a very healthy way um, to get to know yourself. It is also a very healthy way to learn your boundaries, your sexual fantasies, uh, how you like to be touched, how you like to be talked to, what turns you on, what turns you off. And it can actually make you a better partner in the future um when you do decide if you do decide to end your celibacy knowing how your body reacts knowing how to make yourself orgasm um will actually inevitably make you a better lover and a better lover to yourself so uh, we are all about masturbation here what's your position (laughs) podcast did you eliminate masturbation from your life alex I did not, I did not, but it was- Lord of God and thunder, (laughs) Thor, thank you, Thor. I'm so glad that you didn't do that. (laughs) Me too, me
2: too. You know, the thing that I learned is that um, for me, my relationship with my body and my relationship with sexuality with another person was purely transactional. It was Mm. like, I'll give you access to my body if you give me the attention, the affection, the approval that I'm seeking. So during this time that I wasn't having sex with anybody else, I had this like entire world to explore of like, what does it actually mean for me to pleasure myself? Like Mm -hmm. what would I actually enjoy? That's not just me getting my like druggy fix of attention (laughs) from like that's what i was getting and that's what i wanted and that's what i enjoyed but because it was like fixing a craving from deep in my soul rather than something that was actually healthy
1: so a couple of stories of celibacy um this young woman's 31 years old she's heterosexual she said after experiencing dead-end relationships and you might relate to this situationships i was essentially using sex to fill the voids of low self-esteem shame and coming to grips with overcoming childhood sexual assault i have learned so much about myself during my celibacy journey my esteem my worth and my values have all risen tyler a 30 year old male who identifies as bisexual said i never had a significant other or sex, and I didn't intend to change either, partly because sexual emotions itself make me uncomfortable, and partly because romance is demanding of my time and my effort that I'd rather put into things that are more important to me, like science or school. I'm not religious, I am not spiritual, or anything of the kind, so I don't adhere to any of the celibacy mystical beliefs. Sierra, the singer, who is married, To the one and only russell wilson who used to be the quarterback of my favorite football team the seattle seahawks and i am devastated that he is no longer a seattle seahawk but that's fine that's fine that's for another another podcast entirely sierra said i believe that when you focus on friendship you have the opportunity to build a foundation for a relationship When you know you are great friends and what we're calling equally yoked, where you share the same values or the same outlook, it starts to set a tone. It is important to have friendship first. It is important to have standards and you shouldn't feel like you have to give your body away to get someone to like you. And Lady Gaga, who we love, (laughs) In 2010 said, I am single and I have chosen to be single because I don't have time to get to know anybody. So it's not okay for me to have sex with just anybody. I want to get to know people. I am celibate and celibacy is great. So there is a few reasons why people choose celibacy. There are pros and cons to everything, right? There's pros and cons to eating vegetables. There's pros and cons to wearing sunscreen. There's pros and cons for everything. So let's talk about the pros really quick. And I want you to weigh in your opinion on these pros, right? It lowers your stress. Tell me, did uh, introducing celibacy into your life lower your stress? In the beginning, no, it was
2: (laughs) incredibly stressful.
1: (laughs) How so? Tell me, tell me about the beginning
2: because i had no clue how to be okay or comfort myself or regulate my emotions without a, a man because i am heterosexual so mm-hmm. i it would be a man for me i had no idea how to self soothe and so taking that vice away from myself was incredibly painful. Like, can I ask you a question? Painful. Yes.
1: How old were you when you hit a home run? When you had your first sexual experience?
2: So I think the definition of sexual experience changes for everybody. I agree. (laughs) But I would say I was 16.
1: Okay. Do you feel like from that point until the the moment you chose celibacy, self-soothing was out the window? Did you just not, ev- were you always in some sort of relationship, some sort of dating, kind of seeking out um, any sort of attention or boyfriend or relationship of, of some kind?
2: I mean, even before I had my first sexual experience, there was always a romantic like little boyfriend in my young, young teenage Mm
1: -hmm. life. You know, there was always somebody. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I if we wanna get very deep into like psychoanalyzing like (laughs) why I was the way that I was, I you know, I think we all experienced trauma to certain extents in our childhood. And for me what that looked like was a series of really uh, big deaths in mm. my close immediate family, um, including the my grandmother, who was the woman who was like my caretaker, my rock, like my yeah. whole world. And so, uh, for me, I think I had this relationship with having the presence of another person, especially one that was unavailable either because of death or because they were emotionally unavailable. For me, it was like this challenge of like, if I choose a man who's emotionally unavailable, like there's this, this magical thinking of like need to do the impossible, conquer the impossible, prove that I'm like worthy of, of, staying with or also it could
1: it it could very well be that because they're unavailable that makes them more attractive because you don't want them to be available you don't want to get down deeper Mm -hmm. where an available person would be right where you Mm -hmm. where you would get to those depths where you would talk about the hard stuff and the important stuff Mm because they were unavailable, it made it easier for you to just write them off as sex toys. <laughs> right? Just, yeah, give me what yep. I want, clown. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have long-term relationships at like, what was your longest relationship prior to your celibacy?
2: My longest relationship before that was about a year and a half.
1: Okay. Yeah. When you were in that relationship, were you still seeking attention outside of the relationship?
2: Um, not that one, but I, I have cheated on partners in the past, you know, not in that one long-term year and a half long relationship, but in other not relationships cheating.
1: ahead. Do you ever notice that you would maybe still go out and still have that mindset of, oh, I want that person to look at me or, oh, I want Absolutely. that to at me or, oh, I want that person to buy me a drink mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be.
2: Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. I wanted all of the attention. So
1: when you went through your celibacy, the, uh, how long did it take before the feelings of like, like (laughs) give me my, my cocaine, like (laughs) give me my drugs, (laughs) like how, how often would you pick up your phone and look at it and want that, how difficult Mm -hmm. and struck and did you suffer from sleep issues? Like were you suffering from like not eating? Did you go through a depression? hmm.
2: I feel like I went through a little bit of a depression. My phone use definitely skyrocketed during that skyrocketed during that time, because even though I, I knew I wasn't supposed to be like looking for that attention, I was like, man, I really hope that somebody <laughs> hit me up, even if it even if it's just so that I can say, actually, I'm not dating right now, just knowing that someone reached out, would have given me what I wanted. Um I started eating a lot more than I normally do. So I started turning to food as a source of comfort, which very quickly became a topic of conversation between me and Dr. Bepko so that I (laughs) really had to cut myself off from like every numbing mechanism that I would try to turn to. And that lasted for about six weeks, six weeks, weeks of just feeling like, Oh I'm I'm like going to crawl out of my skin right now just so yeah. uncomfortable and just like can't you would wake up and down, think about it
1: go to bed thinking yeah. about it yeah yeah Yep when and did you notice your stress levels decreasing
2: So after after about 6 weeks I I made the conscious decision to really just throw myself into things that actually would fill my cup and make me feel good. Like for example, seeing my friends and actually investing in my friendships and nurturing those relationships, spending more time in nature, going on hikes, going surfing, reading books again, like (laughs) all of the things that I had neglected in the years of just this obsession. Um, And Uh, this was really the time when I I started to familiarize myself with the word codependency and have more conversations about that because I think that a lot of the word codependency is used a lot in the context of addiction, people who neglect themselves to care for addicts. And I started reading a lot of books about codependency and listening to podcasts about this idea of self neglect in pursuit of caretaking somebody else. And I realized that what I was doing in my whole, all my issues before the celibacy, it was trying to caretake a problem that I made up for somebody else, which is that they didn't like me enough or they didn't give me enough, <laughs> enough approval or attention. Right. But there was this huge element of self-neglect. And so after the first six weeks, I really just started delving into truly taking care of myself and learning what I like to do for fun by myself alone or actually fostering close, close friendships, because that's something that I didn't really have before because I was always like one person to the next, to the next, to the next. Romantically, I never had to, I never had to get my network set up. Right. Um, yeah. And then it got a lot easier and then I started feeling good and then I started, Growing, like creating and growing the business, which I is now what I do full time, and really created a life that I totally loved. And and throughout that whole, you know, first six months, I, as I mentioned, I was reading books and listening to podcasts. And the way that I I share that time with people now is that I I basically brainwashed myself. healthier relationship. Yeah, sometimes you have
1: to. Sometimes totally. you literally have to like force yourself through something and tell mm-hmm. yourself you're going to get out of this on the other side, you're going to be okay. Um it's a form of brainwashing. It's it's interesting mm-hmm. that you mentioned that you started your business because one of the other benefits that they mention a lot in a lot of different places is that your focus is actually increased. And when mm-hmm. you remove the uh, desire and the idea about needing sex or needing the attention of another human being or needing, um, satisfaction or self, uh, worth or self-esteem from someone else, that becomes your entire focus. You, you're doing Mm -hmm. everything in your life. You're, You're getting dressed for that reason. You're Mm -hmm. working out for that reason. You're posting on social media for that reason. So your focus completely changed and you started a business. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your business. (laughs) So I
2: primarily work with people one-on-one teaching them how to meditate and do breath work and a few other like lifestyle-based skills to work through anxiety. Um, because at the time, while I was going through all this, I was in school um, at UCLA. Uh, studying neuroscience because I've always been obsessed with the brain and the nervous system and especially this this concept of neuroplasticity, which Mm. I can break down a little bit more in case anybody who's listening hasn't Mm. heard that word before. Break down
1: the phrase neuroplasticity. Uh,
2: So neuroplasticity is your brain's ability to rewire itself. And your brain is doing that every single second of every single day, whether you are aware of it or completely unaware of it. um, Every single experience that you have is changing and reshaping its circuitry. And that includes everything that you experience in your external world. Like for example, the books that you read and the movies that you watch and the what's your position podcast episodes that you listen to. All of that Very is nice. changing your brain. Yeah. Nice little plug in there. Love that,
1: I was like, oh, what um, podcast is that? Oh, wait, that's mine.
2: That's yours. Yep. <laughs> um, but everything that you experience internally is also changing and reshaping the circuitry of your brain. So every thought that you think Every emotion that you experience, every time you project your mind into memories of the past or into anticipatory thoughts of the future, you're also changing and reshaping your brain. And that's, that's either happening in one of two ways. You're either reinforcing and perpetuating a pre-existing pattern or neural pathway, or you're creating a new one.
1: And, and so new pathways can be mm-hmm. really uncomfortable and totally scary. and we sometimes a lot of times trauma survivors and um, victims of abuse they redo old behaviors and old habits because it's comforting not because mm-hmm. it's comforting in a way like a blanket is comforting it's comforting mm-hmm. in a way that they just understand it and mm-hmm. they're used to that path imagine If you're walking through a forest and you've walked through this forest a hundred times and you've worn a path through the bushes and that's comfortable. And it may have some trees and some stumps in the way, and you may have to cross a river, um, but you don't want to change the path because it's comfortable Mm -hmm. to go down that path. But if you were to just go five feet to the left, you would actually come across a waterfall and this beautiful fern-like gully and you could actually find these new and beautiful ways of living and existing if you just changed your path. As uncomfortable and as scary as it is, it can lead you to things that will better you and benefit you more in the long run. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. And for me, celibacy or this nine-month stint that I did was this giant experiment for myself and can I reshape this pathway? Can I reshape this pattern? Can I teach myself how to exist in an entirely different way? Because the old one is as, as comfortable as it might have been because it was a thing that was known was not actually helpful for me in right. the long, long term. It's the comfort zone. It's the safety yeah. of the known. It's that old saying that, the, you know, the devil, you know, is
1: <laughs>
2: preferable to the one that you don't.
1: Right. Yeah. How, how would you say that celibacy has benefited your sex life?
2: Um, so as I mentioned before, I had no perception of what my own pleasure even was because previously sex was transactional for attention rather than for pleasure. Um, I understand my body way better than I ever did before. Um, I'm way pickier with who I actually am intimate with because what was attractive to me before I did my nine months spin is unavailable. No <laughs> yeah, Unavailable. That's not attractive to me anymore. The standards mm-hmm. are much higher because the questions that I'm asking myself now when I'm dating and when I'm meeting people are very different than what they were in 2017, beginning of 2018, before I did all of this. I remember, you know, when I was in dates before 2018, um, like my mind would just be completely circulating around like, do they like me, how do i how should I behave so that I can get them to likely It was entirely based on how I could
1: their perception lure of you. and seduce
2: yeah. them in yeah, and, yeah, and i uh, now the questions that I'm asking myself are. Do I even like them? Are, are they good enough
1: for me? <laughs> Questions that we think of. Of course, we think that those are important. Do I like them? Um, yeah. Are they good enough? But yeah, we get caught in this like, oh, do they like me? And oh my God, am I pretty enough? And am I sexy yeah. enough? And is this enough? And, da, 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 and am mm-hmm. I enough, 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 enough? And this shame and this guilt and this, to get that reinforcement from them is, mm-hmm. is, addicting, but also so dangerous and so totally false. Mm -hmm. It's this false sense of self that we create because we base it on one person's view of, of a photo or a Mm -hmm. text message or an interaction at a bar. Um, Mm -hmm. would you say that you have better sex because you chose celibacy for nine months, significantly
2: better sex. Just because I know myself well enough to know now what I want, and I can advocate for that, I have way better communication skills because mm. I had to. <laughs> I had to learn how to communicate. Uh, I think for me, the thing that made sex better was actually when i ended my celibacy the the first few months of dating after that i used that almost as like a continuation of this science experiment where after <laughs> every single every single date i would go home and ask myself like okay how did how did i do in that do i do i actually like him where was my mind was i actually present with the conversation at hand and then had to actually learn the relationship skill set that's needed, like being able to communicate and being able to so Advocate what you want. for yourself. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's essential to having good sex.
1: Oh God. It's, so, it's yeah, it's paramount It's paramount mm-hmm. and the interesting thing is is what you're saying Actually could resonate with people who are in long-term relationships. You may actually even get lost in long-term relationships, trying to please your partner rather than please yourself. And I think Mm -hmm. that learning who you are before you get into a long-term relationship is imperative and Mm -hmm. it should be taught in schools (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like love yourself first. Um yeah, absolutely.
2: And I I was gonna say it's made me a better lover as well because before the the exchange was all about what I could get from them mm-hmm. as opposed to my pleasure and what I can give as well you know it wow. was yeah so it's it's benefited everybody <laughs>
1: <laughs> everyone benefits
2: yep <laughs> well, we're going to take
1: another break when we come back we're going to talk about our self worth because i think that your journey into celibacy really began because of uh, you wanted to find worth within yourself. You wanted to be a worthy individual to these people you Mm -hmm. were dating. Um, And in order to find how worthy you were to other people, you actually first had to discover how worthy you were to you. Um, Mm -hmm. So when we come back, we're going to talk about maintaining self-esteem while dating. Um, It's really difficult, especially in the climate that we have today. Online dating is brutal. I am so glad I don't have to do it. Um, It is actually, there are statistics that show individuals who um, online date have more mental health issues, more anxiety and more depression than individuals who do not. Um, I believe it has a lot to do with how we present ourselves in social media and a lot to do with the fact that it's one photo you get one picture and if that picture sucks, everyone swipes left or right, whatever the fuck direction Mm. is bad. What's bad? Left. Left is usually bad. (laughs) Which is so stupid by the way. That's so rude to left-handed people. Can we just talk about how that's just not fair? Anyways, I think that, A lot of individuals in the online dating world are suffering with their self-worth, more so than people who date from organic places. And I'd love to get your opinion on that um, when we come back. And we're also going to talk about how I can go from Chihuahua to Golden Retriever. So (laughs) please join us in just a few seconds. Want to get something off your chest? Have a burning sex question? Call now for a chance to be live on air with What's Your Position? 513-6969-SEX. That's 513 We will answer your questions, hear your comments, and play you live on air. Call us soon. Welcome back, fellow humans, to our episode with Alex, neuroplasticity expert extraordinaire, uh, anxiety slayer, uh, meditation, mindfulness, magiate. Uh, what else can I call
2: you? <laughs> Is that a real word?
1: <laughs> no, I made it up. I make up shit all the time. <laughs> and then I put it on t-shirts and people. <laughs> It's fine. Um, We're back. We were talking about celibacy and how empowering it can be um, to take back your ownership of your sexuality and your desires and um, how you look at the world and how you look at relationships and your position in that relationship. Um, I wanted to also touch upon something that you brought up, which is self-esteem and self-worth and something that you teach, which is how to uh, rewire your brain into thinking and um, experiencing peace within yourself. Um, So when we break it down just really closely to dating, when it comes to self-worth and dating, what are your thoughts? So uh,
2: the best way that I like to explain it is through an analogy, right? So when we have something that's really, worthy to us or really valuable or something that has a high level of worth, like you can think of like the most beautiful diamond necklace or jewelry or like a high speed sports car. We take care of those things really, really well. So for me, my understanding of self-worth from my own experience is that it's treating yourself with the highest level of care and compassion and kindness. And so in the realm of dating, what that has looked like for me is really asking myself the question over and over again, what is the kindest thing I could do for myself in this situation? And at, many turns in the road that had meant letting go of people who are just not the right fit for me that previously I would have clung for, (laughs) for dear life. More recently with the the relationship that I just got out of, it meant letting go of someone that I loved tremendously and a really great relationship. Um, But the, the gift that celibacy gave me is the assurance that I'll be okay, no matter what happens. And I'll be okay, no matter who's in my life. And that um, I'm worthy of having everything that I want in a partner. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that I'm worthy of, of, of waiting for myself to like find that Elsewhere that I don't need to be in a relationship at all moments in time in order to have a, a meaningful fulfilling life
1: So I want to get to my statistic of the day mm-hmm. uh, Because the audience they just wait with bated breath <laughs> For me to reveal the statistic actually everybody likes my tip of the day more than my statistic of the day so As soon as I'm done revealing my statistic of the day, I'm going to get into my tip of the day. So, um, everyone is waiting for both of these things. They're not actually, I just, that's what I tell myself. The statistic I asked was, a 2008 and 2017 study showed that there was a 30% increase in men who chose to be celibate for various reasons. What was the increase in women who chose to be celibate during that same time timeframe. Um, our guest, Alex, said 45%, respectable, 45. I love, that's a solid answer. Uh, my producer, true to form, said 69%. <laughs> and while I appreciate that both of you believe that women are more apt to be celibate than men, it was actually only an 8% increase for women. Wow. I know. I'm shocked. Shame, But you and I both know from being in psychology and understanding research that there are fallacies and there are things that occur that uh, make research. And and maybe this one study that I looked at was a a very male heavy study but it it said that there was only an 8% increase from 13 to 20% of females who engaged in uh, active celibacy between 2008 and 2017 so men are more likely to be actively celibate than women and actually oddly yes. enough when i saw that statistic the first thing i did was go get bullshit and i <laughs> I looked up like five other sites and most of them did uh, back backup w- without maybe like numbers, but backed up with more um, mm-hmm. ideas that yes, men are actually more actively uh, engaging in celibacy than women are engaging in celibacy. And I don't know if that's because of the impact of social media. I don't know if that's because women are more likely to use sex, as you say, transactionally, or if women and men define sex differently. Honestly, this study didn't define sex specifically. So women and men could have been looking at this um, very differently, penetrative sex versus masturbation. And there is so much more sex in between those two things. So, With any research and with any sort of uh, statistic, you really have to make sure that you take it with a grain of salt. You do your double research and you look up the statistics behind the statistics. Uh, But as far as like five websites are concerned, men are more actively celibate than women are.
2: Now I'm waiting with bated breath to see the new research that comes out. I'm so shocked.
1: I know. Same. Same. Um, so I'm going to do a tip of the day, uh, which is where I give the listener a um, a little bit of a, a, an idea of how to manage uh, what we're talking about in, in a uh, more manageable way. So here is my tip of the day. Tip of the day. Literally, my favorite <laughs> song. <laughs> it's my favorite. Know your worth. When maintaining self esteem in a relationship, know your worth. Know who you are as a person. Know what you have to offer a relationship. Know your strengths and your weaknesses. Know your love language. Oh, Alex, do you know your love language? It's physical touch. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> know your attachment style? Do you know your attachment style?
2: I would say I'm a recovering anxious that's growing increasingly secure.
1: I love that. I love that we <laughs> that we can move the the attachment style. Yeah. Knowing your worth is so important in any relationship and knowing that you are worthy of love and that you are worthy of love that is beyond sexual. You are worthy of patience and kindness and care and more things than, than there are sexual, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, shift your mindset Are you ready for this from, do I like them? Do they like me to do? I like them, right? Shifting that mindset. Do they like me versus do I like them? You said something earlier that touched upon this, that your celibacy really made it so that you started asking the question, do I even like this person? Is this a relationship that I even want to pursue? I don't need to be liked by other people. I want to like other people. I think that's probably like the biggest, the biggest tip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That mindset is huge. Eliminate the word perfection from your dating vernacular or from your vernacular altogether. No one is perfect. You just said this like you're literally reading off of my paperwork. I feel like you are in my house and reading from my papers and it's creepy and you should stop
2: (laughs) from all the way across the country. It's creepy. Stop it.
1: Uh, No one's perfect. And our flaws are what make us beautiful. Who we are is what makes us beautiful, and accepting individuals for their flaws and helping them overcome them is part of any good relationship. Keep an open mind. Wait. Don't swipe left. You're not shopping for a pair of jeans or a good book review. This is a human being that you're looking at and yeah they may not have put a great photo on their tinder or they may not have had the best answer to a weird question that bumble asks but you don't have to expect them to be perfect the first time you talk to them keep an open mind that these people are people and so are you and just because you have the perfectly filtered Snapseed or light what is it Light? what is it lightroom lightroom what's that editing app that people use for their photos lightroom, lightroom? Sure. Yeah. not everyone's I'm learning lightroom. something new <laughs> i don't know i don't edit i, <laughs> I don't maybe after light i don't know i don't edit my photos i don't do the the fucking things with the things this is why i would fail miserably on social media and dating if that was a thing uh debunk the myth of playing hard to get did you ever play hard to get before i did how'd that work out for you uh
2: not very well
1: right (laughs) take a hint do yourself a favor and take a hint when you see one um don't invent ridiculous reasons why they didn't respond to your last text. Don't overanalyze why it took them 37 minutes to open your Instagram message. Don't push yourself into this spiral of anxiety and depression, because all that does to your self-worth is drive it down. When you know your self-worth, it doesn't matter how long it takes someone to respond to you because you know that you're worthy of a response. And you also know that individuals are worthy of their own time. Absolutely. And they might be busy, And you aren't the be-all end-all of their life.
2: Mm-hmm. You aren't
1: the center of their world. And when you can remove yourself from that perspective your self-worth can improve. Alex, have you ever heard of the four agreements? One of them is be
2: impeccable with your word,
1: right? I don't remember what the other three are. Oh, you want me to tell you? Please. Okay. (laughs)
2: Please
1: do. Don't make assumptions. Okay. Okay, so if someone doesn't text you back within a day, you don't assume it's because they don't like you or they don't find you uh, attractive enough. Um, They could be a doctor and they could be on call for 48 hours. They could be, their phone could have broken. They could not be a person who uses social media very often. They may not like you, but you don't get to make an assumption about someone else's life, especially when it comes to dating, right? Be impeccable with your word, that means You say what you mean and you mean what you say. And when you say, hey, it's okay if you don't text me right away, you mean it. You don't expect them to text you right away because you are passively aggressively telling them to text you immediately, right? Or when you say, I really like sushi, you mean it. I lied to my Mm -hmm. husband for four years about liking sushi, which is why I bring that up. Because I really wanted him to like me. And uh, I ate sushi for four years and I hated every second of it. (laughs) And then one day he wanted to go to sushi twice in one week. And I was like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. I hate sushi. I hate it. I hate sushi and I don't want to go any longer and it freed me from this prison of raw fish it was amazing always do your best and your best changes from day to day you get different sleep you have different stress at work you may have gotten laid you may not have your best is different every fucking day and the most Difficult agreement is don't take anything personal. It isn't about you. What other people think of me is none of my business. Does any of that resonate with you? Well, the last one feels a little ironic.
2: Because it's like, it's, it's, it's not about you, like what they think about you, what they, the story they've created in their head about you, it's not any of your business, but your experience dating in love in relationships is entirely about you, but it's about <laughs> what you, it's about what you want, you know, it's, it's about it's like, d- does this feel good for me? Does this feel right for me? What do I have to give to this rather than being so consumed with the other person?
1: But when we're consumed with what someone else thinks about us, that's when it's like, mm No, it's don't take it personally. (laughs) Don't it's not
2: about you. (laughs) It's
1: not about you. (laughs) We are characters in everyone else's book of life, right? Mm -hmm. We're the main star in our own, in our own book and everyone else that, that comes into our orbit is, is, but a character Mm -hmm. and the part that we play in their life has nothing to do with us. We can only be our best. We can only be impeccable. We can do our best to not assume things about other people. And we can do our best to not take things personally. And I think that that the four agreements really should be part of any individual's journey into celibacy or any individual's journey out of celibacy. Yeah. When you got out of, of celibacy, was it hard for you to meet potential suitors and like have all of this like big brain knowledge about, uh, (laughs) (laughs) self exploration and, and Mm -hmm. learning about yourself and, um, how did you begin your dating after celibacy
2: so i'll say that um i went into it with a very big expectation
1: Ooh. which was probably
2: not helpful
1: which is an assumption there was,
2: which is an assumption but i had this like little idea in the back of my head and my heart that God would reward me with a super hunky man with a heart of gold for (laughs) all of the deprivation (laughs) I had just put myself through. (laughs) And that didn't happen. Damn um, it. Immediately. Um, So uh, there was definitely a little bit of disappointment after the first few weeks of like, okay, Yeah. Like I, you know, still have to. Where is he? Where is he?
1: (laughs) I spent nine months alone. Where the fuck is he?
2: (laughs) Seriously, that's, that was my inner monologue. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did get back on the apps after, after coming out of my celibacy. Um, and it was actually way less painful than dating was before getting rejected wasn't as painful as it was before because I, I I had no skin in the game like there was part of me that was like I'll be okay no matter what and I don't want to I don't want to pursue someone who's not actually interested in me the part of me that previously would have felt compelled to convince them that I was worthy of their attention was just like gone like, that's not a that wasn't attractive to me anymore. It's still not attractive to me. So it made it a lot easier to not get so hung up on the rejections and also to sift through the people who didn't feel like the right fit for me. I do we have time for a oh, funny we have story? So, t- so okay. much time.
1: Tell a fucking f- story.
2: Oh, this one's a this one's a good one. Yay! The first person that I like seriously dated after my nine months of celibacy, we dated for two months. And I found out after those two months that he was actually homeless and living out of his car.
1: Holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. How did, so, you, not, how did you not know that? Okay. So his car
2: was impeccable. I had ridden in it. Many, many times. It was like okay. this big, giant SUV. And like I knew where he worked. He, uh, it was in Los Angeles. So he had said that he was in transition. He had just moved, up, moved out of his place in the valley, was staying with friends in Santa Monica until he found his next spot. But I had never been to his apartment. He would always come over to mine. And, sure. Which, which, you know, sometimes that happens, but I would joke with him because I remember when I was living in New York City, I saw this video online of this homeless man that used to panhandle and put all the money that he would make panhandling into like Listerine and hair gel. And then he would go to bars and pick up women so that he would have a place to sleep that night. And you know would forget his credit card, so these women would like pay for his dinner, blah, blah blah. And so I would joke with this guy all the time. I'd be like, "You're that homeless guy no. from the video." And then turns out uh, he was actually living in his car the whole time. Um, so that ended very quickly after I found out that he had been lying to me that that definitely added to the disappointment of like I thought I was going to find my
1: (laughs) my thought after nine months of (laughs) celibacy I was going to know everything (laughs) I was going to have it all figured out (laughs) totally (laughs) and I'm dating the guy on the side of the freeway was asked, seriously selling oranges oh my his God.
2: hygiene was impeccable though i wow. i remember he would go to the gym all the time and i remember thinking to myself i've never met anyone who goes to the gym so much but isn't actually in great shape
1: the gym has so free showers
2: that's yeah that's why i learned that in hindsight of like oh mm-hmm. wow that's what he was doing at the gym and yeah
1: if you have a gym membership Well, okay. So producer saying if you have a gym membership, but yes, a gym membership in some places is only like $15 a month, which is cheaper than an apartment. Right. Yeah. Get a shower. Yeah.
2: And then, uh, so that was definitely really disappointing.
1: I bet. (laughs) (laughs) disheartening. I'm sure after nine months of celibacy, you're like, cool. The first person I date lied and is homeless, homeless. Um, I know that you do meditation. Oh, sorry. Excuse my neighbors throwing the trash away. If you can hear that, the trash cans (laughs) right outside. Um, I know you do yoga. I know you do meditation. So I'm going to give the audience some mantras. Um, to help them with dating anxiety or self-esteem. And I'd like you to, to chime in after each mantra and tell me what you think. Okay. I do not want to be with anyone that does not want to be with me. Gold. Perfect. <laughs> Save us. <less. laughs> their problems are their problems. I will focus on my own problems. My only responsibility is self-improvement. Now, as someone who is a avid codependent, like sponsor of codependency, <laughs> this one hurts, right? Yeah. Help me.
2: Yeah. So think for for me this one is tough because i didn't actually want to fix anybody's real problems i wanted to fix the imaginary problems that mm-hmm. i projected onto them but i do see in a lot of people this like drive to fix to change to heal to problem solve for other people and I think it's such a fine line between supporting the people that you love, be it romantic or family or friends and codependency, right? So codependency is self-neglect at the expense of caretaking other people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people truly need support and they they need a problem solved and they will ask you to help them solve that problem. But I, I think it's it's dangerous territory trying to fix a problem for somebody else that they don't even want to have fixed themselves or need see the need to fix themselves. So yeah, um, I I mean I agree with that mantra. It's
1: not I'm your going, responsibility. No, it's not. Um, I'm going to be single until I am no longer afraid to be single.
2: Yeah, I mean, even hearing that now, there's a part of me that cringes a little, <laughs> a little bit, even after all this time. Yeah, I, I think that the only way that we can strip away the fear from the singlehood and the celibacy is by embracing it, right? Because uh, the, ner- the nervous system is what I study, so I'll give a little analogy again. When we see a tiger in the woods, we have a fear response. And that's good. That's like a normal, healthy thing. It cues sure. us into danger. Totally.
1: Actually, I'd be more like, oh my God, look at the kitty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, actually would not survive very long
2: to carry on the, the nope. gene pool with your very curious, adventurous...
1: This is correct. DNA. (laughs) Me and my curly hair would die out very fast. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) But in 2022, we don't really have tigers that elicit a fear response. And so we make up these imaginary tigers where they don't actually exist. Like, for example, being single or being alone, or even for some people, it's actually being intimate and being in a close relationship. And the only way that we lift that veil of illusion that mask is by facing it and seeing that it's not actually a danger or a threat to us so i'm going to be
1: single until i am no longer afraid of being single this one this one hurts i will constantly reinvest the anxiety over being liked into liking myself. So I will constantly reinvest in liking myself over being liked by other people. That one's not painful to me. It just sounds like oh, a that really hurts. good, it
2: sounds like a good return on investment. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like a really good use of time. I mean, it's not easy. That's for sure. It's a
1: challenge but yeah yeah it hurts it's a hard one i love when other people like me chihuahua yeah. peeing everywhere <laughs> the gap between what i feel i should do and what i know i should do is a knowledge gap this is especially true in learning my self-worth and my value in dating so what we feel we should do versus what we know we should do. As human beings, intrinsically, we know, like especially individuals who ask their advice from other people, when you ask advice, you already know the answer that you want versus the answer that you get. You already know why you're asking for that advice. When you go to therapy, you already know why you're going to therapy. You already know there's a problem but there is a gap, a knowledge gap. How do we fill that gap?
2: Okay. So I want to ask some clarifying questions <laughs> <laughs> so I make sure we're on the same page. So there's a gap between what we feel we should do and we, what we know we should do. Correct. Are you saying that they're misaligned, that what we feel we should do is different from what we know we should do? This is this the whole head versus heart kind yeah, of situation? especially
1: in people who have anxiety, what we feel we should do versus okay. what we know we should do.
2: Okay, I gotcha. So uh, I think go with what you know you should do because emotions, in, in my experience, are very fleeting. And they're often based on our past patterning and programming, which most of us want to do something different than what we've, <laughs> than the past patterns and programs that are leading us to the pain that we're in right now. So I think that, um, someone once said to me, they've said feeling follows action, right? So if we do what we know we should do, eventually the feeling follows, right? <sighs> the feeling of like, this is good. This is Right. But it's uncomfortable, like doing what we know we should do. I mean, if you're leaving your comfort zone, it's not going to feel very good. (laughs) You probably won't want to do it very much. So those are my
1: thoughts. When, When you're presented with knowing what you should do versus feeling what you should do, basically the head versus the heart, A lot of us choose the heart. Mm -hmm. A lot of us choose the. Because the heart is so strong, right? The heart is. Is what guides our emotions. It's what guides our our gut. It's what guides our Mm -hmm. intuition. Our brain is so smart and all of us know what we should and shouldn't do. All of us are aware of right and wrong, of uh, when we ask any question of of a friend, you know, hey, I should do this, right? We know what the right answer is. But Mm -hmm. navigating that gut instinct, that visceral choice versus the safe, right and correct option, is difficult for so many people living in that moment of if I make this choice, my life changes. If I make this choice, my life stays the same and and Mm -hmm. the paths that we take and the choices that we make, especially for people with anxiety, especially in dating, You can change the path of your entire life. You can change the Mm -hmm. course of everything you do moving forward. How do you Mm -hmm. help individuals combat the anxiety of those heart versus head choices when it comes to dating? Mm
2: -hmm. I think the first thing is fostering a tremendous amount of self-awareness. Because a lot of the anxiety that we experience stems from the thoughts that we are perpetuating. The thoughts that we have are these imaginary tigers that we're continuously re-exposing ourselves to and eliciting that fear response, that terror. But the thing about our thoughts is that they're not actually reality how funny because the next (laughs) monster
1: the next (laughs) mantra is feelings are not facts (laughs) exactly god damn it (laughs) i know
2: how do you know that
1: though because my feelings (laughs) feel like facts i feel a lot of facts
2: yeah i mean they're strong that's for sure but they also they're fleeting, they change. I mean, even if it's months that we're experiencing the same emotion over and over again, yeah. we we believe the narrative that's continuously moving through our head. And if we can approach it with curiosity and with a healthy level of skepticism, We can learn to detach from the thoughts that are not actually pushing us in the direction that we want to be going. And it's that moment to moment awareness of, is this perpetuating a pattern that already exists or is this creating a new one?
1: How do you explain to your clients the difference between healthy curiosity and negativity? because i am a super optimistic human being right i Mm -hmm. i am like this is gonna work this is gonna be fine everything is good when i approach things i approach things with optimism how Mm -hmm. do you explain because and i'm sure that that adds to Mm -hmm. the massive amount of anxiety that i live with on a day-to-day basis because i'm just hoping that everything works out for the best Mm -hmm. (laughs) but how do you approach clients who who don't understand the difference between healthy curiosity and rampant negativity? Because to me, mm-hmm. they're kind of the same. Well, I think using
2: language that is a little more neutral can be really helpful, especially in the beginning. Because typically when people have anxiety, they have anxiety about their anxiety, <laughs> and then they have judgments and criticism.
1: And why? Why are you hurt. in my head? Get out of my head.
2: We we it's we never just experience a thought or an emotion in isolation. As human beings, we tend to also have judgments, criticisms, thoughts, and emotions about that initial thought and emotion, and it creates this snowball effect of I call them
1: I call them thought holes like I fall into a thought hole and then that Mm -hmm. hole leads me to another hole that I fall into and then I walk Mm -hmm. a little farther and I fall into that thought hole and it's terrifying and I can't get out of the I can't get out of the holes because they're everywhere
2: it's it's so challenging it's so difficult but the the thing that I encourage people not to do is immediately jump into the judgment, the self-criticism, the negativity the like beating yourself up of like, Oh fuck. I, I went down that thought hole again. And Mm -hmm. Alex and I just had this conversation about it and I'm not supposed to do that anymore, but, Fuck! I did. I did. Why do you always go down these thought holes, Ashley? Damn it, Ashley. That's not. That's not helpful, right? It, right. It's like a ball, a ball of yarn. When we when we want to untangle it, we kind of have to start at the outermost layers. So actively practicing abstaining. There's that word again: abstinence. Woo. Abstaining from the judgment from the criticism, the negativity surrounding the anxiety in and of itself. And then just asking like a very neutral question of like, is what my mind doing right now useful or not useful? Is it helpful or not helpful? And making it a very light level of curiosity. And, and that, I think that's what I mean by a healthy level of skepticism is just to ask yourself these questions and probe and, um, analyze from a a scientific place Mm. rather (laughs) than a like the stakes are so emotional (laughs) if i don't fix myself then i'm gonna be miserable in this anxiety thought hole for the rest of my life like lower the stakes a little bit the only thing the only thing we can work with is what's happening right now the thought pattern that is taking place right now is what happening right now useful not useful and just asking yourself that question just answering that question immediately moves you into a state of self observation rather than being completely entangled in judgment. the never ending spiral of anxiety and the judgment that <laughs> circulates around that anxiety and
1: yeah. the last the last mantra uh- I want to get tattooed on my arm. So it is, I'm going to say this and I'm going to do my best not to be emotional. (laughs) I will be fine. I will be more than fine. I am fantastic. I am wonderful. I am loved. These are facts someone else's view of me is worth nothing to me period okay as a codependent individual (laughs) i feel like it's a little selfish (laughs) so help me navigate why that's not selfish because when we love ourselves
2: and appreciate ourselves we can give more to our relationships i think i think when when i needed something from someone else i couldn't even see who they actually were i didn't know them and i couldn't support them be present with them choose them as a partner because I didn't actually have any respect for myself or love myself enough to have anything to give. Um there's something else I wanted to say. It might be slipping my mind a little bit, a little bit right now. There's also a moth flying around. I'm not sure if you can <laughs> see that little guy. No, I'm I curious, can't. the emotion that was coming up for you was it Anger or was it, like, what uh, was it that
1: was... more so like shame? I am mm. fantastic. I am wonderful. These are facts and what other people think of me. I, to me, I want to be everything to everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to be the best. I want to be the best podcaster. I want to be the best teacher. I want to be the best wife. I want to be the best friend. I want to be the best everything. And sometimes I forget that I have to just be the best Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. I will
2: say something I've observed in the new age social media mental health movement is that I do think people take the selfishness to an extreme Mm -hmm. of like folks start going to therapy for the first time. They start learning about boundaries. They start learning about self care and then they have no capacity to be with the pain of another person or be in, in real relationship because it's just like, well, this makes me uncomfortable. So I'm, I don't have to,
1: Your pain is not my pain. I, I live in other people's pain. Like I, I there when I, I'm there, even when they're not there, (laughs) (laughs) I think about other people's pain regularly and I'm like, wow, are -hmm. they in pain right now? I should probably be in pain too. (laughs) And they're Mm -hmm. probably not even in that place. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I don't wanna be selfish. And I know what you're saying. There's a lot of people who get into this like idea of self care and self meditation and mm-hmm. self bettering and self, 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 self. And they go beyond what is helpful in life and and really do focus on, I don't ever wanna be perceived as, mm-hmm. Selfish. Okay.
2: So, two things. <clears throat> I think the perception piece is really interesting because that's literally what you just shared of like <laughs> what other people think of me is none of my business, that whole thing. <laughs> right. But I'm curious for you when you talk about co- your codependency does being of service to other people and being a supportive wife and friend and professor does all of that fill you up and make you feel good and yeah. or do you feel like do you feel like it's having a negative impact on your life in any way Well
1: it's probably both honestly okay. honestly it's probably both like i get so much joy out of all of those things but it's honestly never enough Hmm. It's never, never happened, enough. Ever. Mm-hmm. Like I never, ever can feel like I've done enough. I am enough. I have enough. I do enough. It's always this mm-hmm. like, go, keep going, mm-hmm. keep striving, keep reaching, keep doing, keep being. And I know that it's, it's like a, I have an a type personality, so I'm always going to be like the best at mm-hmm. everything, but I want, I love the energy I get from other people, but I feel like a vampire. Like it's not mm-hmm. enough. Like I'm not, a, mm-hmm. I, I need more. Mm-hmm. I need more energy from more people, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it's a little painful. Very. And <laughs> there, when you're like never satisfied, it sucks. <laughs> what is it? Twilight? They're they're all vegetarian mm. vampires, and so they never actually get their fix of
1: no, right? I'm just, <laughs> meaning, I'm just sucking my source. energy from deer all the time. <laughs> There's not even deer in Huntington Beach. I'm sucking my energy from squirrels all the time, basically. Um, mm. It's. It's interesting. We have delved into uh, uh more about wh- what is wrong with Ashley versus <laughs> what could we do to make our dating relationships better? But I do appreciate it and I might just go ahead and schedule myself a time to come and talk to you. I feel like there's so much right own.
2: with you right now. Aww. So much right. I'd swipe Thanks. right on Ashley Weller. Woo!
1: <laughs> I'd swipe right on Ashley. <laughs> I'm putting that on a fucking t-shirt. Um, so this conversation I-, I feel like was one of the most amazing and eye-opening conversations I've had in a while. Mm-hmm. I came into this not understanding celibacy, and now I understand it. I came into this uh thinking I knew what self-esteem was in a relationship, and now I feel like I've need to do some work um tell our listeners how they can find you and how they can benefit from your work so the biggest thing that i work
2: with is anxiety so if you struggle with that which we all do there's actually there's a new type of anxiety diagnosis called COVID-19 anxiety, which is anxiety specific to the pandemic and to (laughs) epidemics and viruses. And so the anxiety problem is growing worse and worse every single year. It's long since surpassed depression as the number one mental health issue, at least here in the United States. I don't have the statistics for all the other countries, but I assume it's probably Pretty close.
1: Do you know what it is in the United States? No. What is it? Ninety. Tell me. Ninety. Ninety percent of individuals in the United States, as of two thousand twenty-one, state that they have an anxiety disorder. Yep. Ninety percent.
2: So, if you are listening and you are one of that ninety percent, um, one of the biggest tools that I I will teach to my students and my clients is meditation. And I offer a lot of tips and tricks and stuff like that through social media. So I'm on Instagram at Alex, A-L-E-X underscore Nashton is my last name. N-A-S-H-T-O-N. I always say like Ashton, like Ashton Kutcher, but with an, an N in the front. So <laughs> at Alex underscore Nashton. And um, I have a bunch of free resources and tools the link in my bio through instagram and if you join my email list which you can do through instagram um i send out twice a week emails that are all in the realm of mental health and mindfulness and um there are a few meditation apps that i teach on right now one of them is called unplug and then i have um another platform it's not an app but it's an online platform that i teach on called bodhi so I'm sure we can send you all the links in the show notes. That's yes, a possibility, please. right? With yes, the podcast. You'll find them in the show notes, but there's another platform <laughs> that I teach on. And I have an entire like seven class series all on meditation practices for anxiety. And I think I can send your listeners like a 30 day free trial to just check out that platform. Oh, that would be amazing. Meditation fix in and all of that. Um, so that's going to be the best way to keep in touch and stay up to date with what I'm offering and doing. And, um, yeah. And you Um, might live in Portugal. And I might live in Portugal if it, uh, is not on fire (laughs) anymore.
1: It's on fire, fire, but it, it won't be on fire forever. Um, But I, I am just I'm enthralled with what you do. I think that what you do is is important. I think that uh, in the world we live in, post COVID, and uh, you know, during online dating, online social media, where we see the beauty and not the ugly, I think that we have so many misconceptions about who people are and what they struggle with on a day to day basis, and being able to connect with your mind and your body and get back to um self-love um mm-hmm. in a mindful and respectful way is something that is more important than almost anything else you're doing on social media i can tell you that right mm-hmm. now um absolutely if you just follow alex on instagram you will get things every day that will remind you to be mindful breath exercises um, yoga exercises reminders to even put your phone down even while you're on social media on instagram looking at her page she will remind you to set your phone down and (laughs) get outside of yourself um you are without a doubt one of the most intelligent human beings we have had on this podcast. And I have felt more comfortable speaking with you than with most of, of our other guests. So I greatly appreciate the um, availability that you give for, for vulnerability. So I recommend highly all of my listeners who suffer from anxiety to reach out to you and hopefully uh, gain some insight into how to better their lives and better their sex lives honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I want to share one more little tidbit before we wrap everything up today, because this is a question that I've gotten before, because I I have spoken very publicly about my celibacy stint before, and I don't think that it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who are terrified of intimate relationships who have perhaps never been in a romantic relationship before. And I just want to make sure we're all on the same page about the fact that if you tend to avoid relationships in the first place, maybe celibacy is not the thing that's going to help you in your own path of self-growth and introspection and understanding yourself better.
1: Brilliant.
2: It may not be for everybody. Yeah. But if anything that I shared about how I used to function as a parasite for attention, (laughs) if any of that resonates. A parasite uh, of
1: attention, I can't stop.
2: Now I've partaken very symbiotic relationships. Love it. uh, If you too are a parasite, just a little (laughs) love tapeworm. then maybe give it a oh, shot. Maybe yeah. try it out. <laughs> maybe try it
1: out. Maybe don't be a tapeworm of love or attention for that long. Alex, you were a blessing and a a surprise, honestly, of a guest. I I can't wait to have you back if you'll have me. If you'll have me, I
2: would love to have you back. I will have you. And cool. I'm sure you're feeling very relieved that I'm not,
1: an extremist christian (laughs) dear god i am the god of love and thunder thor is appreciative of the fact that you are not an extreme christian (laughs) so are all my listeners to be honest um this this was beautiful and i appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty and um and that you are just a wonderful human being and i can't wait to grow our relationship and learn more from you
2: me too i the feeling is mutual i'll i'll come back anytime
1: i love talking to you (laughs) good i'm having you back tomorrow (laughs) book it in your calendar (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much alex is there anything you want to plug anything else you want to talk about before you go you know, I feel, I feel
2: really good. I feel really complete. Thank you so much for having me. This has been
1: wonderful. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of, of my anxiety ridden chihuahua peeing on the floor heart. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. We love you. (laughs) Love you guys too. Welcome back fellow humans, what an amazing conversation, I almost got lost, I actually did get lost for a second when we were talking to Alex. Um, Her breadth of knowledge when it comes to neuroplasticity and anxiety and the ways that our brains can trick us um, into thinking certain certain ways and, and how we can actually retrain ourselves or brainwash ourselves, I guess, into new behaviors that can benefit us um, is fascinating. So uh, shout out to Alex. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. And we honestly cannot wait to have you back again. It was one of the best episodes little update, yeah. we've had. So. Um, To tail in on on what we were just talking about as as we exited with Alex, there's really no algorithm. There's no way of um, mathematically figuring out the best way to be a successful person when it comes to dating. Um, But there is one thing that is for sure that you have to have before you enter a relationship. And that's self-confidence and the belief that you are worthy. Dating is all about believing that you deserve the best. And if you don't believe that, you aren't gonna get very far in healthy relationships. Um, when you have low self-esteem or anxiety about dating, or check. W- check when you are a codependent individual, check, you tend to let other people treat you like shit. Not check you will get taken advantage of because you don't know your own worth.
0: Semi-check.
1: You are content in relationships even if it's not with the right person.
0: Yeah, check.
1: You might believe that you don't deserve love. Why would you? You don't know your own worth so you are unlikely to convince anyone else of that either.
0: It's like a half check, like a little V. Checklet? Basically, like a, little like a it's not going all the way up. Yeah
1: you tend to go to online dating relationship advice which check, 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 can check, check, be check, check, completely check, check, inaccurate sort of like medical advice online
0: okay can i give my two cents on Fold. okay sorry
1: you allow your fear of rejection to dictate your love life if you can't mm-hmm. live your life you are being you are afraid to take chances you won't make the first move why because they might reject you honestly So what? People get rejected every single day. And you know what? Their world doesn't end. And other people's opinions of you don't matter. In the long run, the person who rejected you five years ago, you probably don't even remember their name.
0: That's not not what I'm talking about. Regular rejection out of like normal... Just human behavior is fine because that does happen in traffic. Yeah. But when you put your feelings out to someone and Mm -hmm. say, hey, I like you and they go, I don't like you. That is fucking hard. Awful. Yeah. It's one of the worst feelings.
1: When you are not self-confident, when you lack self-esteem and when you engage in anxiety ridden behaviors, you also lack confidence in the bedroom. How on earth can you have sexual confidence if you don't have self esteem in any other aspect of your life? If you don't feel confident naked because you don't feel comfortable in your own skin, if you don't feel comfortable with your body or your skills, or you are ashamed or you don't feel sexy, it shows. If you don't have self confidence, you forget to make yourself a priority. The most important relationship in your entire life is the relationship you have with yourself. You are with yourself 24 hours a day. No one else is. No one. Not your husband, not your wife, not your partner, not your parents. No one else is with you constantly. And if self-doubt And self-hatred creep in and if you are mean to yourself you invite that behavior in in every part of your relationships if you are not making yourself a priority no one else will you may fall apart when they reject you or fall out of love going through breakups is one of the most stressful things that can happen in any person's life It is among the top five major stressors of any individual's life, whether it be a divorce or a breakup from a long-term relationship or a breakup from a short-term relationship, that amount of rejection is traumatizing. But when you are self-assured, when you have self-esteem, you know that that rejection is not the end of your world it is just the end of that relationship. When you have low self-esteem or anxiety surrounding relationships, you base your worth on whether or not someone likes you, which gives that partner more power than they deserve. You do not need to have more or less power than your partner, but when you determine your self-worth based on their opinion of you, they gain more power in the relationship whether they want to or not and that's unfair to both parties when you have self-esteem partners or self-esteem problems in relationships or within yourself you attract negative partners you want to know why you keep attracting people who don't work You want to know why the people that you keep finding on dating apps are quote-unquote shitbags or quote-unquote not available or quote-unquote not the right person. It's because you yourself have not gotten to a place where you have accepted who you are and you have become the best version of yourself. And when you have low self-esteem or anxiety, you will never be happy. No matter how nice the person is, no matter how much they text you, no matter how many great things they say about what you look like or what you sound like or how smart you are or how good you are at something, it will never be enough because you will never believe it. Happiness comes from within. If you don't love yourself, you are not happy with who you are before you even think about putting a toe in the dating pool, let alone being in a long-term relationship. Take some time to work on your self-esteem and your self-worth. You have to find a way to be happy with who you are. And until you find self-confidence and true love for yourself, you are better off being single.
0: Oh, okay <clears throat> am I supposed to respond to that are you? I, that was a lot I mean uh, as someone that's I like to say involuntarily celibate mm-hmm. I, I am because <clears throat> I have been longer than Alex how like wait she nine said,
1: months. I would agree with you you are involuntarily celibate she chose that path and she chose to better herself during her celibacy i think that people who are involuntarily celibate take their celibacy as a form of rejection and take it personally that's not me
0: i there's two reasons why one is there's th- there's three reasons why first reason is my job i work in the film industry and if you do not understand the hours of a film industry and you're trying to date someone they get so fucking frustrated with you because it's not a normal job. You work 12 hours a day plus, maybe overnights, random hours. And I I, I know this from trying to date people and trying to tell them, like, hey, I want to hang out with you. You're awesome. Let's go meet, you know, in two weeks because this is when I'm going to be free. And they're like, why two weeks? It's like, well, that's that's my job. Like, I have things, like, I don't know you yet. This is the day I'm available for you. And they're like, okay. No, I'm good. Pass on. Next one. So my hours, my job. That's a big one. Two, relationships. I came off going into the film industry, trying to change my life with coming out of bad relationships and going, all right, fuck all that. I'm going to concentrate on my job. But the reason I did that was I wasn't having good relationships. I've never had a relationship over a year. I'm 35 years old. That's weird. I've had lots of relationships, but none of them over a year. I've never had an anniversary with with someone it sucks yeah so third option my third third reason is where I live one of the reasons I have my job is I live with my grandma I've had two girls over my house and both of them told me I never want to come back here again
1: that is actually one of the number one reasons why people are celibate and they they don't necessarily classify it as involuntary but it it's classified as as being celibate because they live with I'm their trying
2: parents.
0: I'm trying I tried for the first few years at least for that last for like the first three years when I moved in my <clears throat> with my grandma I was trying I dated a couple girls and it just didn't phase out so then I was like I'm done I'm gonna concentrate on what I need to do podcasting filming whatever and it's just now getting to a point where like I don't want to even want to try because why even try until I move I, and living in California, how do I get an apartment for $2,000 a month when I live in the film industry? So it's, I'm in this weird
1: circle that fucking sucks. sucks. Yeah. I think that the word incel, you don't want to be. I'm not an incel. You don't, I I don't, don't want to be classified in. that. I don't hate women group. at all. Right. No. It isn't anyone else's fault. It's not a fault. It's it's a... It's not my
0: fault. No, no, I'm saying it's yeah. not I'm, anyone's I'm yeah. fault.
1: It's situational and it's um, related, like all the research says, it's related to job. A lot of millennials have jobs that don't allow them the time so to I date. I
0: quit my job to have sex?
1: A lot of... <laughs> no, you don't. A no, lot I'm, of, I'm,
0: I'm just making a joke.
1: I'm saying yeah, there are ways to have sex, like going on hinge and just hooking up with a random person yeah. but there are people who don't want to do that there are people who cannot find i god the the phrase is slipping it's not demisexual it's there's a it's like a it, it's a it's a term in sexuality that means the only way you can find sexual pleasure with a person is if you are in a relationship with them mm. there are specific people Christians No, there are people. (laughs) Well,
0: they don't have sex unless they're like married sometimes. That's kind of. Do you
1: just want to go to a bar and hook up with a chick? No. Okay.
0: Oh, that's what you're saying. Just the opposite.
1: I'm saying there are individuals like yourself who want to be in a relationship Uh in order to be sexually intimate with someone.
0: Yeah, that's what Christians are. I'm not a Christian, but
1: you know what I'm saying? I guess, yeah, but like they want to be married. I'm not saying be married. I'm just saying well, and their, and their, date
0: in their in their, their view, their head. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm off I, subject, but I hear what you're saying.
1: When I was single, i I would go have sex with whoever I wanted. I'd hook up with whoever I wanted. Okay, I, didn't hold, care. I didn't care. Can
0: I stop you just real quick? You're saying going off to have sex with someone. I can't do that. I can't invite a woman over to my house. No, you
1: can't. But I
0: can try to maybe go over to her house. Right. But this is one of the problems. I'm coming over.
1: Right. Yeah. So, but you are also in the category of people who would rather be in a relationship with someone. Right. When you're having sex yeah. than just to hook up with them. You I hear have it. said this probably 500 times on this podcast. I can pull up seven episodes where you've said this. Okay. So, in order for some people to engage in sexual relationships, they need to be romantically involved with somebody and there's not a lot of opportunity in your life right now to be romantically involved with somebody so it isn't that you're necessarily involuntary celib involuntarily celibate because that word has a lot of terrible connotations it's that you're celibate based on how your life is structured
0: yeah it sucks
1: yeah the the job that you love. I don't
0: want to choose this.
1: No, no, but you love your job.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: You you no, love. It doesn't
0: pay enough. But, but yeah. you
1: love what you do. Yeah, I do. You love living with Nana.
0: 50-50. So, I, I would love to be by myself, of course. But, but I you also don't want to pay two thousand dollars. Right. The obligation of being around our eighty-three-year-old grandmother and and also not paying
1: two thousand dollars a month for a one-bedroom. Yeah. Right,
0: I think Nana outweighs the rent. Sure, yeah,
1: but there's a lot that goes into individuals who are engaging in celibacy, and I think if we can learn anything from Alex and from her conversation, it's that we shouldn't look at celibacy as a punishment or as something we have to endure but as a way to better ourselves so that when we finally do get into a space where we are able to engage with other people sexually, we are the best version of ourselves. Yeah. Learning how to navigate difficult conversations, learning how to be a good partner and a good lover and a good friend and a good business person and not taking the 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 part of this that has to do with sexuality personally or as a slight to you but as an opportunity to grow i think that's what alex showed me about celibacy i have never in my life been celibate on purpose or involuntarily i have I've I have actually been in her position where I've used my sexuality to just fill holes (laughs) pun intended and then I found Kevin and I now now he's filled up all those holes and now he fills up (laughs) all the holes all of them and I think that when I looked at celibacy I looked at it as a oh you poor thing you can't get laid whereas yes you can (laughs) you sure as fuck can go I'm out ready and willing you can you can go to a bar and say uh my house is not stable for a hookup let's go to yours uh a your, lot of people do
0: with that. your thing though i am totally there's okay you're talking about online dating this is where you and i diverge because you have never online dated and i've basically only online dated mm-hmm. i would never pick up a girl at a bar. That sounds fucking disgusting to me. Okay, I don't know that. Sh- Just because our conversation was so good while replace, we were drunk for an hour.
1: No, hold on. Replace bar with, with Tinder.
0: I'm going to right now. Our conversation with this girl could go really well. Hey, we're really going. We're going to go back to your house. We're going to fuck. We fuck. We look up the mo- next morning and she's like, by the way, I'm a Jehovah's Witness or I'm something weird.
2: Sure.
0: Uh, okay, now I'm done. With online dating, you get a little bit more of someone you get their religion you get their political things on like their resume it's basically a resume mm-hmm. and i understand like the the first photo is a weird thing but if that first photo is good you keep scrolling you keep scrolling
1: right not everyone who has sex wants to know more about the person sometimes people just i do and that right? seems okay.
0: that seems stupid no, that's no. not safe sex no, i'm no. sorry here we go hold on no no
1: sex positivity go. is encapsulating everything sometimes people just want to hook up you're saying that you are involuntarily celibate what you actually mean is you are involuntarily out of a relationship you could go and have sex if you wanted to but you it, don't it, want to talk but it, it, you don't want to have sex outside of a relationship you don't want to hook up you don't want to no, one that night. seems
0: gross to me you I'm don't sorry.
1: want a one-night stand right no, no no some people consider one night stands or hookups whether they be on Tinder or Hinge or Bumble or at a bar that to them satisfies that sexual need until they find someone or they find a time in their life go jerk off so so what i'm saying is you're not involuntarily celibate
0: I, what the invol invental inv- i can't even say the word now in
1: Involuntarily.
0: I was being a joke. Don't use that word as that. I'm just saying that there's people that voluntarily become celibate. I am celibate on a many different reasons. Sure. That's all. I that was just that that word is more for a joke.
1: It's it possible. Don't take it more.
0: Serious. Don't take it.
1: I won't. Seriously. I'm just saying. I don't want you to to get in this idea of woe is me. I can't have sex. Yes, you can. I'll find five people to have sex with you right now. <laughs> but you don't want that.
0: That's not what, well, yeah, I don't, right. I'm not woe is me.
1: No, you want a relationship.
0: Woe is me is my own personal things. I don't live in my own apartment and I work in a shitty, or not a, sh- a shitty industry with shitty hours. That's it. But you
1: love what you do. Yeah.
0: I like it more than sex, honestly. There you go. Well, easy, Robert. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a minute.
1: It's important to recognize the limitations that we place on ourselves. It's also important to recognize the desires and the wants that we have in the relationships that we seek. One
0: thing too, I I understand that the situation I'm in right now is not permanent. I'm not doing this till I'm seven years old. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to move out of Nana's house. Sad to say she's going to pass away someday. I can't live in that house the rest of my life. Right. So this is just a little speed bump or a little dip in the uh, old road. Either way you look at it. That's all. That's all I see. And I, uh, well, sorry, one more thing too is if you are in the situation, just know that too. Like this might be yeah. kind of shitty. This is the one thing that helps me is guess what? It's not gonna be like this all the time. You're gonna you're gonna do something to get a job better and a better apartment
1: and you're gonna find that girl. That's I all. want individuals to take ownership of their self-esteem and their self-worth. I want people yeah. to take away from this that sex and relationships are not indicators of how valuable you are as a person. And if you are in a place where celibacy is the only option, whether it be because you do not want to hook up with random people, or you do not want to have sex outside of marriage, or you don't live, you live in a car or or you are working 80 hours a week. I want you to take ownership of your own self-worth. And instead of dwelling on why I'm not having sex or why I'm not in a relationship, work on the relationship with yourself. Because it is the only relationship you will have for your entire life. Your spouse will die. You will break up with someone eventually. People get divorced 50% of the time. You are your first priority. So make yourself the priority. That's what I want people to learn. There you go. Love you. That's it.
0: Do it. Yeah, go masturbate. Love go yourself. Go
1: masturbate. Love yourself. God, I love masturbation. Jesus Christ. Love yourself. It's the safest sex you can have. You can't get yourself an STD. You can't get yourself pregnant. And you also learn how to make yourself come, which is very fucking important.
0: No one can make me come better than me. Exactly. exactly. I cha- or I ch- faster. I put it out into the podcast world. I challenge a woman to make me come.
1: <laughs> or faster. <laughs> right? Easy. Jesus. Well, take, come on. Take, take your time. Just saying.
0: Edging, man. Edging. If,
1: if I need to just get it, I, I can... 30 seconds and I'm done. Uh, make sure you follow us. Please follow us on Instagram at What's Your Position Podcast. Check us out wherever you get your podcast. I didn't realize this, but we're on like 20 different platforms. Like, I looked at the statistics the other day, and we're on things that I never even signed up for.
0: I'm working on like probably almost 10 more platforms. It's ridiculous. And I'm working on it.
1: I'm appreciative of how many things download us. Soon
0: you'll be able to ask Alexa to play you What's Position. It's Stop. coming. It's coming.
1: Oh my it's God. Coming. That's what she said. Uh, download, like, subscribe. We just hit 10,000 downloads the other day and I cried. I cried. And then I listened to Justin Lee Miller's 100th podcast episode and he said, we have about 100,000 downloads per episode. I was, <laughs> I was like, wow. Fuck me, right? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that's I have what, like that's 60 episodes and we have 10,000 total. I do appreciate every single one we'll get of more, those downloads. We'll get one more
0: zero on there. Don't worry. I'm excited. It takes time.
1: I love it. I appreciate the countries that listen. I appreciate the states that listen. I appreciate the individual human beings who listen to one episode. Uh, like Alex listened to the breakup episode and it ch- and it changed her. I, I, I got a message. That was awesome. I got a message. That was cool to hear. Yeah, I got a message the other day that somebody listened to a, a, a masturbation episode. <laughs> Who knows which one? And it, it changed how they treat themselves sexually. And I, it, it, it brings me joy. I had, I had a guy tell me he listened to the IUD episode and he now has a greater respect for his female partner because of what they go through at the doctor. Like yeah. fuck dude. That's I, what this
0: podcast is about. That's
1: what this is fucking about is learning something new and hopefully hearing something that changes your perspective. So I hope that this episode did that for you. We thank you Alex Nashton. Follow her on Instagram as well and please remember hold every on, on. single
0: Sorry. This is like a, we're going to be on YouTube when this video this
1: That's true. We are. People on iTunes Season and Spotify. Three. Don't oh my know, god.
0: We're gonna be yeah, if you don't know, sorry. <laughs> I should have told you this. This is season three. We're still working on it, but by the time yeah. this drops, this will be on YouTube. So you burr, can burr, come, burr, burr, come watch us. Come, come watch
1: Come watch us do this. Yeah. It's it's just me staring at Robert sometimes. Right now. Or drinking white cloth.
0: <laughs> yeah, just for now, I don't know exactly what the URL is, just type in what's your position podcast <laughs> on YouTube and we should we've come got up.
1: three. We've got three of them, and I'm super fucking stoked. You can watch me the entire time. Stay safe, stay kind and stay sexy what's your position podcast represents the opinions of ashley weller and her guests the content here should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of error. Stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy.